Welcome to the IMDb Journey podcast, where we break down one movie a week from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson. Sorry, no, this, there's a mistake. Dean, you were supposed to go first. This is not a joke. So, not sorry, a joke. sorry. Oh, oh, man, I, I fucked that up real bad, didn't I? Sorry, you go. <laughs> and my name is Dean, and I will sing the rest of this podcast if you want me i will also stop singing and okay (laughs) thank you thank you for that dean and today we'll be breaking down the 2016 robbed goddess la la land robbed goddess robbed goddess i guess we've already got our thoughts ready to go here (laughs) dean how have you been i haven't seen you for a week this is true. This is true. Um, yeah, I'm good. I uh, went to game of AFL yesterday, saw my uh, not-so-mighty St. Kilda get destroyed by Melbourne. My as, team. As my per, team. As per usual <laughs> with St. Kilda, they're having a horrible year. So, I actually did take my son to his first game of footy ever, so that was uh, an experience, and I enjoyed that. Oh, that's good to As hear, did mate. he, which is more important, I that's guess. That's right. That's how, right. How was your week? Yeah, I've been pretty good, mate. Uh, this week was my last week up at my... My uh, supermarket store that I work at. I've been transferred to a store that's quite close to home now. It takes me about 10 minutes to get to work now, whereas before it used to take me between 40 to 50 minutes. So the commute is quite small, which means more time at home, more time with the family, maybe more time for a couple of movies every once in a while since I don't get enough of those. <laughs> it was actually interesting. More podcasting time. More podcasting time. That's right. It's actually interesting because we had a staff party slash farewell party for me up at uh, the, the bowling place so. oh, okay yeah did uh, anyone come or did you just beat no, yourself off myself. again <laughs> no everyone came up it was pretty fun because they actually got me a present here dean which i haven't shown you yet this is oh. a, this, this is a present that they all got me <laughs> as a goodbye present what do you think of that wow your very own oscar yep they got me a oscar trophy with the little man on the top wow the golden statue that's right they must know me well they know i love movies <laughs> what do you think of that it's pretty impressive i was almost in tears are you really? Yeah, I couldn't believe you're, they went to that. A... I couldn't believe they went to that effort to to do that. It's unreal. I can't, I can't either. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yeah, I'm so I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, but other than that, uh, it was a pretty normal week for me. Just some. some oh movies. my god, I tried virtual reality for the first time. Porn. It was crazy. No, not porn. <laughs> normal G-rated virtual reality. <laughs> it was really cool. What'd you do? Like it was like a roller coaster, like just with like the um the headset. Did you freak out and like fall over? Yeah, like I was like walking around like I was on eggshells, about to fall over, and it was it was it was really good. Like cool. Where'd you do that? Uh, just at my brother's house. Oh yeah, he's, like, he's got he's, one. He's got a full headset and wow. everything. Like, and he, I said, oh, where's where's like the scary ones, the horror ones? He's like, oh, they're they're all paid, cost money. Ah, uh, okay, fair enough. It's like ah. Maybe one day. One day. So be sure to stick around after the breakdown where we'll get into some listener feedback, the results of last week's draft on MCU films, and we'll take each other on in another movie quiz. We'll also be chatting... Uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> I you going to say something. I was like, oh yeah, cool. <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> we'll also be chatting about what other films we've seen this week, including the latest raunchy comedy, Blockers. Hey, if you're new to the podcast, first of all, welcome. We're glad to have you on this journey with us. If you'd like to stay on this journey with us, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get instant notifications of when new episodes are up. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and most other podcast apps. Just search for IMDB Journey and you will find us. 
And to all listeners new and old, we love it if you could help spread the word about the podcast, chat with your movie-loving friends, maybe drop in the middle of a convo that this podcast is guaranteed to get you an audition at any gig for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you like that joke? (laughs) Very proud of himself over here. <laughs> Perhaps even leave a five star rating or review on iTunes to help us move up the charts for even more people to notice us. Yeah, and like we've been saying recently, once we get up to 50 reviews on iTunes, we'll draw a random review, and whoever did that review gets to choose our next movie that week from the top 250 list. So let's keep going with that. We've actually got five new reviews this week. First one here is from Keith from the Testosterone podcast at Testosterone PC. Great show, lots of good humor, and lighthearted. Appreciate the podcast notes so I can avoid spoilers. Uh, thanks for that, Keith. Uh, here's one from One Giant Leap for Geeks at Giant Leap for Geeks. Really like the concept of this show. The guys are great at dissecting the films and they are very good at explaining why they did or did not like something. The commentary between them is always hilarious, fun trivia throughout, and they keep the show fun and funny. If you love movies, definitely check these guys out. Thank you very much for that. Very kind. We also have one here from the Coming Off The Reels podcast, at Off The Reels. This is a great show if you love diving deep into the movies you love. Daniel and Dean are both insightful and funny together as they break down the greatest scenes of some of the greatest movies. Definitely give this show a listen. Thanks for that, guys. Thank you. Next one here is from Movie Crew Podcast, at Movie Crew Pod. Good show with funny and intelligent movie conventions. So many great films covered. Discussing an IMDb Top 250 and a current movie in one episode makes for enjoyable listening. Highly recommend. Thanks very much. And we also have our last one here from the Movie Babies podcast at Movie Babies. In a world full of movie podcasts, the IMDb journey stands out loud and proud. I can't do it. Yank accent. I'm going to keep going Australian here. Okay. They aren't just buddy-buddy about every film. Yeah, that's it. Top notch. They aren't just buddy-buddy about every film. They bicker, they joke, and they drop some serious knowledge throughout. They're like the Australian Siskel and Ebert. Oh, oh man, we're putting that on the on the on the, on the DVD cover, <laughs> and you can use that one for the poster. <laughs> oh, I didn't even- oh shit! <laughs> the show is filled with engaging segments. The editing is top notch, and Thank it's you. one you won't regret adding to your podcast rotation. Thank you so much for that, guys. Thank you. Great review. And if you want to interact with us throughout the week too, we're on Twitter at IMDb Journey. I respond to everything sent our way, and it's a great way to keep up to date with us as we regularly tweet what else we've been watching throughout the week, so you can leave your thoughts there too, and we'll read them out in the podcast as well. I've just got a couple more shout-outs here for some other podcasts that help us on Twitter a lot with their retweets and their sharing. One is Christian and Damon's Amazing Nerd Show. Thank you very much, guys, for your regular help there. Another one is from the Karaoke Biggie podcast. This guy, he's, he's great. Get, get on to the Karaoke Biggie podcast. And another one is from the St. Paul Filmcast, who just gave us a mention on their very first episode that just debuted. So go and check them out too. So thank you to you three and to everyone else who helps us out on Twitter. So now it's time for... Give me the update. It must be that special time where we look at the IMDb Top 250. Yeah, it's the start of the month, I think we'll do it. What changes have there been? Start of the month, let's see. We've got a very high debut. Yes. I wonder what it is. Boom. It is Infinity War. Now, Dean, you sent me a picture uh, halfway through the week that it was sitting at number 10. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's actually dropped to 12 now. Wow. Right, so that's where it's sitting for this month. We'll come back in a month and see where it ends up. <laughs> we also have Saving Private Ryan and Leon the Professional have swapped from 29 to 30. Modern Times and Intouchables have swapped from 38 and 39. Terminator 2 and Raiders of the Lost Ark have swapped from 42 and 43. And Back to the Future and Rear Window have swapped from 44 to 45. We haven't had a look at Coco for a while here. <laughs> Coco was sitting at 60 when we last saw it. It's yep. actually dropped down to... 62. 
Okay, so yep. that'll stay there. Yep, pretty much. Uh, we've also got Dangle has gone down from 78 to 80, and that's all the changes in the top 100 there. We also have a debut. It is the 2005 film My Father and My Son. I've never heard of it, but sounds like we're going to be watching that eventually. It's debuted at number 121. We also have three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri has dropped from 126 to 132. Andre Rublev has gone down from 177 to 183. I am pretty sure I butchered that title there. No, I think Rublev is right. (laughs) (laughs) Blade Runner 2049 has gone down from 181 to 187. And right down at the bottom, we've had four films that have dropped out since our last update. That is Three Colors Red, Battle of Algiers, Drishyam, and Akira. And in its place are three new films, all three we've mentioned before, Gangs of Wasipar, The Handmaiden, and Fanny and Alexander. So that is the update for April. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, so as usual, we're about to start the breakdown of La La Land, and we will be going into full-on spoilers from the get-go. So if for some crazy reason you haven't watched La La Land, please go and do it. Come back and listen to us butcher all the musical numbers. <laughs> <laughs> you butcher all the musical numbers. I did a fantastic job. <laughs> So we're going to head into a break now and a promo from the Epic Film Guys and we'll be back on the other side with La La Land. I'm Nick. And I'm Justin. We are the Epic Film Guys and we'd like just a moment of your time to talk about an extremely important event coming up this May. Last year, we hosted the live stream for The Cure, a 12-hour live stream fundraiser where we raised $2,500 for the Cancer Research Institute. 86 cents out of every dollar raised goes to research toward finding a cure. And this year, we're aiming to smash that goal, and we need your help to do it. Join us from May 18th through the 20th for 30 hours of amazing live stream content from us and a whole host of amazing podcasters who will be joining us to try to reach $5,000. For more information, please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com. Together, we can make a difference. You could just write your own roles, you know, write something that's as interesting as you are. What are you going to do? I have my own club. Is that going to happen every time? I think so. So, La La Land, released in 2016, starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Thank God. Directed by Damien Chazelle, whose previous work also includes another top 250-er, which is 2014's Whiplash. So this film actually broke the record for the most Golden Globe Awards with seven wins, beating out One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Midnight Express, as well as the record with the most Golden Globe wins in every category in which it was nominated with seven nominations and seven wins, also beating One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, and I, d- I did see this as well in my uh, little research, and man, I did not think Midnight Express was uh, that highly regarded, critically. I assume you haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen Midnight Express. Yeah, I, I saw it, and it's—I mean, I was pretty young. I just when immediately I saw got it. them confused with Midnight Cowboy and Midnight Run. Those are the two. Those are the two. This is the drug smuggling guy. Nah, nah. Like I'm drawing a blank on this like, one. Uh, when I saw that, it actually made me want to rewatch it because I've seen it once. Who's in it? No idea. No idea. Fair enough. A guy just gets busted for. Don't ruin it. Well, he gets busted for drugs and goes <laughs> to prison. That's the movie. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. La La Land also won six Academy Awards, including Production Design, Original Song for City of Stars, Original Score, Cinematography, and was actually the first movie shot entirely on film to earn the Best Cinematography Award since Inception, which was six years prior. Not that long ago. No. It also won Best Actress in a Leading Role for Emma Stone, and it won Best Director 
and it lost to Moonlight. Best picture. <laughs> yeah, best director, youngest best director winner ever. Damien Chazelle. So this also shares the record for most Oscar nominations with 14 with Titanic and All About Eve. Yeah, and- I forgot how massive this was, to be honest. I, I didn't realise it was tied for... F- 14 nominations. Yeah, massive. Does that mean it's... it's? I wonder if it's lost the most Oscars at the Oscars. Oh, maybe. I don't Gangs know. of New York was nominated for a shitload and won bugger all, I believe. Yeah, that could be the one. And with an estimated budget of $30 million, it got a worldwide gross of $446 million. So, a big return on investment there. This was at one point set to star Miles Teller and Emma Watson. And thank God that that <laughs> like, didn't yes, happen. Thank but you. Emma Watson, okay. I'm, hey, I don't know. I don't know about her. I did like her in Beauty and the Beast and stuff. Well, that's I, actually the movie that she, yeah, yeah she, she dropped out of this to go do Beauty and the Beast. And Gosling dropped out of Beauty and the Beast to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, nice can you imagine? There. I don't know. She just obviously she would never have starred with Gosling in this movie. That would be weird. Yeah, but even like picturing her and Miles Teller, like it's, I can't get. She has no, no charisma. That's what she's missing. I don't think Teller has much charisma either. Like, for a movie like this, I don't think he would be set to play it as, as a Gosling would. Mm. And also, Gosling and Stone have had that chemistry already from Gangster Squad, which is there, but they also have from Crazy Stupid Love, which is Have you seen good. Crazy Stupid Love? I did. I have seen it twice, and I really, really, really like it. Yeah, I saw it once, and yeah. I was I was genuinely surprised by yeah. how much I liked it. Yeah, nominated for 10, 1, 0, Gangs of New York. Fuck. And with an average of 8.1 over 370,000 reviews, it is currently sitting at number 215 on the list. It's probably our lowest uh, movie we've done so far on the list. Probably, or it is? It is. It definitely is. I've just checked, and yes, it definitely is. All right, do you have a plot summary for us this week, Dean? I do. It's pretty pretty easy, this one. So, La La Land is the story of a young, aspiring actress and a young, aspiring jazz musician trying to make it in the unforgetting city that is LA. When they find each other, their love blossoms, and they have to come to terms with weighing up what they value more, each other's love or their dreams being realised. Very nice. Very nice. Thank All right, you. let's get into this. Thank you. Opening scene. Boom. Boom. We are in it straight away with this fantastic, fantastic song. Such a catchy tune. Delightful. Great start to this movie here. I mean, it's just awesome choreography. Lots of color. All done in one take, I thought. No. Initially. No, it's no. not. <laughs> Definitely not. It's done in uh, three takes. Three takes. Well, three cuts, we should say. It's actually, yeah, three shots connected with quick pans, a la Birdman. Yeah. 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 Which is fine. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, that's fine. But did you know it was filmed over two days in 43 degree heat? No, I didn't. Yeah, 43 degrees. Now, in Fahrenheit, I think that's about 106. So it's it's excruciatingly hot. Like, that's... that's Australians out there, 43 degrees. You know what that is. You know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. But no, as you say, the choreography is just in, just insane here. And actually, it's funny, because the first time I saw this movie, I actually didn't like this opening number really much at all. Oh, really? Yeah. But I will find myself going back and watching this opening scene, independent of watching the whole movie, just because I think it is so so impressive. Like, yeah. And it is so catchy. And one thing I didn't realise is, like, this tune and a lot of the songs here... They're played like different variations throughout the yeah, movie as yeah. background score, and it's oh, it's. Did you know that this? So did you know this freeway ramp was actually the one used in Speed? What do you mean? This express lane was used 
in the movie Speed with Which the, bu- the there's bus a lot, jump. There's a the lot bus of jump. freeway in Give me a Speed. Break. The, the iconic bus jump. Bus jump. They, uh, where they I don't think so. I did not the CGI. a giant hole in this road. <laughs> Probably would not have been that as a, happy of an opening. That was the next part. If they kept going down the freeway, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting to see that actually only 30 dancers were actually used in this uh, dance number. Like, Obviously, you see so many people like stretch way down the f- the yeah there's a freeway yeah, stretch freeway. way down the freeway and it's yeah like a lot of them all most the CGI of them, CGI yeah. which why not yeah sure I mean if it works in all these other films why not and of course at the end of this song you get the big title card La La Land comes up very reminiscent to the classic films of the golden age of cinema like Singing in the Rain like Singing in the Rain this movie is very heavily influenced from Singing in the Rain I'd imagine yeah along with uh, other classics like West Side Story and Cabaret. Thank you. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so then we get into our seasons. This is kind of how we set up the movie on the way. We start with winter. What did you think of the uh, the seasonal title cards? I thought they were pretty good because especially when you get to summer, that's when they're at their peak. They're it is vibrant. They're happy. They're at their they're at their highest there. And then when you get into fall, it's literally a fall they're in their relationship. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that plays well, and it also sets up the time frame. Of this movie. Hmm. No, it is good. And even the winter, like, you're starting out, what do they have? They've just got hopes and dreams and they're all, you know, what do you think of when you think winter, cold, you know, alone, isolation? Yeah. Maybe that's just me. (laughs) 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 The winter's rough. (laughs) Again, with Damien Chazelle, he loves these big, long one-take shots and you get one here as well. Yeah, because it's still going on from the song. It continues from the start, yeah. It hasn't actually cut once the song's finished. It it actually goes beautifully to Emma Stone sitting in the car. Yeah. And you got, obviously, Ryan Gosling. Let's start calling them by their real names. Mia Seb. and Sebastian. Well, actually, Mia never actually calls him by his name in the movie. At one, once. Never calls him Sebastian. No. She does know his name, though. Yes. Because we can see that she designs that... Sebs. That sign. <laughs> Sebs. Yeah. Iconic. Iconic. One one thing I wanted to point out. This was like a very quick blink and you'll miss it. I don't know, I even know how I picked up on it. When the celebrity blinked, <laughs> good one. <laughs> when the celebrity comes into the cafe that gets served by Emma Stone, is that Marina Baccarin? What is it? I I swear I thought it was like it very quickly, and it looked you like swear it. Swear you thought it was? Yeah, well, I, I am, believe that you thought it was. I'm definitely positive. <laughs> I'm definitely positive. <laughs> no, I'm definitely classic uh, fence sitter Hendon. It's definitely Hendon. Hendo. It's definitely probably Marina Baccarin. <laughs> definitely probably. Okay, so we've just checked the footage, and there's no way it's Marina Baccarin. There could be a chance. You don't see her enough to know if it is or not, but it, it really, honestly, it looks like her. I'm interested to even go in and see if she's got, like, an uncredited cameo in there or some shit from IMDb. All right, so I've done my research after the fact, and I was wrong. Okay, I can't see any anything that comes up to, to uh, back my theory up here, so... What a surprise. Hey, it's not as bad as Cabin Chief. random thing to say. I swear it looked like her. And that's what I just went off. You went off. Anyway, into her... Way off. <laughs> into her audition that she has. What do you think of, the, of her audition that she did, that she got rudely interrupted in? It's probably my... Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not my favourite scene in the movie. Um, it's probably my second uh, most favourite audition in a movie I've seen. What's your first? I mean, it's... It's James Frank? <laughs> Tommy Wiseau? No, no, no. <laughs> it's got to be um just a... Go on a quick tangent here. Um, Naomi Watts in Mulholland Drive. Okay. I can't remember it. 
Oh, but you have seen my life. I have seen it, yeah. Long, long, long time ago. Oh, it's an incredible edition. But nah, back to this. Yeah, Emma Stone's fantastic here. Like, I was thinking it must be so hard to get so emotional and tear up whilst at the same time, like, trying to hide it to a friend on the phone. Like, that that would be hard. Yeah. And to cry whilst trying to look like... You're being happy, like it's yeah. Yeah, it's not just it's not just you're trying to cry to, in the audition. Just yeah, you need to be crying, but not crying. Yeah, it's awesome. And we get we get someone come in and interrupt the casting director with a phone call, and he just says, "Yep, that's enough. We got what we need." What an Thank asshole! You. Are you serious? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And it's actually inspired by a real life incident that happened to Ryan Gosling. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Which is odd because you'd think it would be more likely to happen to Emma Stone. Yeah, when she started out. Well, it's more just like crying. Like, how many auditions, like, how many guys, actors cry on screen? Like, it's. All the dramas out there? Yeah, I don't think it's really that much. I bet it's like a 90 10 split. I don't think it's that bad. I think you're wrong. I think you're way off. <laughs> yeah, all right, let's look it up now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, and that elevator shot as well, just visually showing, like, the hard work it must take for acting, and that there's so many similar people out there vying for the same part all the time. When, she, when that elevator opens and there's. Just those other actresses there that are exactly that like, like her. her. Yeah. And all the ones sitting down on the chairs when she walks yeah. out. It's like, that That must be so hard to get through. Mm. I could never be an actor and go through all that shit. It'd be tough. Rough. It'd be rough. I was just thinking I'd love to be a casting director. <laughs> Why, Dean? <laughs> I just think it'd be fun to oh, sit on, okay. my, on my little high chair and... Uh, no. No. Next. Get Thank out. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we're done. Thank you. <laughs> I guess we're into the next song here, Somewhere in the Crowd. What do you think of this one? Yeah, it's not its not my favourite song from it. Um, it's definitely not as good as Another Day of Sun. And I think it's, uh, I think all the stuff in the, in the apartment, the actual song is not, is not fantastic. But once they get to the LA party and it just, it t- strips it right back to nothing. And it starts with this bit. Yeah, when it gets to that, it's like it really like you sort of think the song's finished, and it just keeps going. And I real I do like this this strong ending to this at the LA party. What do you think of it? It's um it's probably my least favorite of the songs, and I'm not saying that it's bad because every song in this in this film is is great. Mm. It's just if I had a list of all these songs, this would probably be the one that I would play last. But mind you, the yeah, like you said, the beat is awesome throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and like again, when they're on the way to the party, going through that. Like they, it was like a golden age of cinema homage like the quick flashes of the neon signs all like all around yeah. the screen and the champagne flowing and that you yeah. see that in all those films there and again the, that awesome shot of her just slowly walking through the party just you get that feeling of, like of loneliness like she has all these people around her but she just she's not part of it and mm. that and again that music makes that happen as well as she's yeah. walking through it and then as she gets into the big party area it starts to kick back up and it gets and you the know, guy jumps off the roof into the pool. As most people do at parties. <laughs> and again, this whole... Like, must have been a golden party god. Part, especially in that party bit, all one take. Follows her through the crowd and it gets in the water and spins around. All that yeah. crazy shit. Good stuff. It is good. I actually really like the when they're singing and they're walking down the road and the dresses are all the same, just stark different colours. I, yeah. I did like that, um, that use of colour there. No, that was very good. What did you think? Did you think there was any significance or anything about how when she walks into the club that there's a mural on the wall of, like, this audience there? Well, I thought that, obviously, it comes back later in the movie when Sebastian walks past um, Mia's giant billboard. Her big head. And he, he doesn't even look at it. 
right? And it's the same thing here. She's walking past these these movie greats, these character icons. Like we're talking James Dean, Cleopatra, you know, Marilyn Monroe, and these are obvious, obviously superstars yeah. in her world. As someone who lives in LA, wants to be an actress, is a movie lover, and again, she does. She doesn't even look at them. Like you just, she's so blind to her surroundings at this point. What do you think of it? Now, what you just said then was fantastic. I agree completely with what you just said. Yeah, the problem with this scene, though, and when you're trying to think of, all right, what's the significance of that is, we're, <laughs> we're immediately hit with not a song, but the most beautiful piece of music in the film. Okay, and once you hear that piano playing, you're just like, oh, Oh, you forget you forget everything else. As she does, she stops. Like she's not walking into that club. She stops and she's drawn in. Yeah, she- and then we get time travel. <laughs> yeah, we come back. Come but back. Realize how it cuts at that point at the at the end. That's where the dream begins. That that, that first interaction. Are we going to have a once upon a time? No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not for that in this film. I don't believe that for a second. Hold on, is that is that a theory? I, I did see something like that oh where, where there's dream. Like this, this is the dream from that point, and then like the the, the end. Oh, I don't think they mean literally you're asleep dreaming dream. I think they mean a dream like um, a vision. No, like no, the, <laughs> no, like your goals, like your dreams, your hopes and dreams, as opposed to your oh, sleepy no, no, dreams. No, 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 no. no. Don't say no like you're disagreeing with me. Of course it's no. I'm saying no to you. What? <laughs> I'm lost. Let's cut to Gosling, shall we? What a surprise! Oh, please, please, always. Oh. Always cut to Gosling. Just spoilers for anyone for this podcast who, who I wants I some, did the spoiler warning. Who wants some Daniel Dean blood, some bickering this time. I, I think that point right there is probably the only time we're going to argue about anything because I'm pretty sure we agree on almost everything in this Ooh, film. I don't know. Oh, wow. You got something for me, do you? I don't know. Wow. All right. Well, look forward to that then, I reckon. Well, I'm just... Yeah, there's something I, I just... I'm really keen to discuss with you. Yeah, fair enough. Let's, get, let's move into Gosling. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> As most people want to. <laughs> I do love the line he, he brings up with his sister. I got you a throw rug. I don't need that. What if I said Miles Davis pissed on it? It's almost insulting. Is it true? It's like he knows it's he knows it's not true, but he's just he might he just wants that little yeah. significance because he's he's so into all that stuff there. Yeah. He just maybe, maybe. I really like when his sister's trying to set him up with new job and maybe a new girlfriend and he and he says to her I don't think I'm gonna like her. Does she like jazz? Probably not. Then what are we going to talk about? I don't know. It doesn't matter, okay? Because I just think that looking back, like, he falls for Mia here, who openly says one of the first things, like, oh, I hate jazz. <laughs> you know? And he, he goes for it anyway. Like, yeah. I think that, that really does emphasize the the attraction that, that was there. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but how can you resist this amazing piano that he starts playing when the lights go down and he starts playing that, that tune, like you said? So good. Do you agree that that's the best part, the best music in this? Oh, Yeah. That yeah, I do. Piano, my god! And it's played a, like a couple of times throughout the film, and especially at, key at the moments, end, a key right moments, right at the end. Like, yeah, it's it's so simple. Like, yeah, it's a simple melody. Yeah, that obviously it gets built on, but it's just it's so amazing. And I love it. I, I do love it how they they dim the lights down, and it's just him. They're like, it's he's in his own moment here. There's no one else around but him. Like, he's he's in his element. He just he just can't let go. He he's been told not to do it. But yeah. he can't help himself, and yeah. he just he just gets himself into that moment, and it's fantastic. Actually, all the piano performances by Ryan Gosling in this film were done by him. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, like a, a you know a double. 
with extra hands or whatever. He actually spent two hours a day. Extra hands? Yeah, like, you know, how they would cut to someone uh, and it's just different, someone else's hands. Like in The Pianist. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> he actually spent two hours a day, six days a week in piano lessons so learning this music. By the time filming had begun, Gosling was able to play all these piano sequences by himself. Which, I've said it before, I play piano and... This is an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. Like, his his natural talent here is off the wall. And it's funny because even John Legend, who plays piano, yeah. who had to learn guitar for it whilst Gosling was learning piano for Gosling it. Gosling plays a guitar. Yeah, Gosling <laughs> plays guitar. But he was just so jealous of yeah. Gosling's natural ability because, honestly, it is such a difficult instrument to play. And his ability here is insane. Gosling is just the whole package, isn't he? Oh, I love the Gosling package. man can do package. what he wants. <laughs> I also like the bait and switch that comes up here. If you haven't seen it, it's your first time watching it, and he, he, get, he gets fired, and he walks up to Emma Stone. You think they're going to start up a conversation and, and get the maybe get the romance started here, but no, just shoulder bumps her and walks out the door. Yeah. It's like, whoa, okay. I did not expect that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love that they did that, because that's realistic. Like, this guy's just been fired. Right, he's desperate for this job. He's like pleading for it back. Nah, you're fine. He doesn't care about some bloody stranger he saw on a road and then at a cafe briefly. Like, you know, like she's obviously taken up and been absorbed by this music and has sort of gone in as sort of, you know, the romance of it all. But that's not the the moment that he's in there. How can we not talk about J.K. Simmons though? I was about to bring up J.K. <laughs> like, Simmons. Holy shit, we totally we totally glossed over him. He's hardly in this movie, obviously. But he, he's there. He's he is there. there when he's there. He's there. <laughs> he's, he's, he's so intimidating. It's so great. I do, I do love the line. It's Christmas. Yeah, I see the decorations. Good luck in the new year. Nah, that was great. It's yeah. such a small role, but he, he absolutely nails it. And you understand, obviously, Damien Chazelle's worked with him in his previous film, Whiplash. And how could you not want him in your next nah, movie? of course not. Yeah, it's such great casting. This, like, this whole movie is just cast perfectly. Yeah, even for those little minor roles. Yeah. Like, even, even John Legend, who's who's a musician, he, he kills it in this. In yeah. the, the brief little bits he's in, he's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Like, normally I would hate a musician being cast yeah. in a, a role like this, but yeah, he just inhales it. Nah. Like, it's, it's all great. And again, you get some scenes here showing the hardship of working in Hollywood with this montage of the constant auditions that Mia is going through and not getting anywhere. It's just repetitive. Like, that, that, that is what it would be like mm. as, a, as a real-life struggling actress in Hollywood. And yeah, yeah, a real-life one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you get Spring. Aha, it is too. Yes. I love this party. <laughs> Seriously, how true to life is it that you're you're at a party or something and you get some douche who just talks about himself? Like he's he's not even interested in what you have to say. The guy's like, "Oh, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I'm a writer yeah. This writer, like, get the fuck out of there. Like, and she does. She's like, as soon as he, she realizes he's talking, he's like, I'm gonna go get a drink. Just like walks off. On you him. wrote Wonder Woman though. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say that's, <laughs> that guy's actually a writer. He's an actual writer. Successful writer. It's kind of impressive. I don't know. <laughs> no, this this is great. This first like real. Proper, yeah, like it's the fourth time they've seen each other, but the real time that they first interact and she sees him playing guitar and you can tell he's so embarrassed to be there. Yeah. This is not what he wants to do at all. You can see like he's so, he just, he's so out of it. But then like the, the singer's getting in a car he's like, yep, yep, just gives him a lot. Yep, sure. All right, I'll get going. And the lead singer was actually in a band with uh, Damien Chazelle. Oh, was he? Young, yeah, in their younger years. But I love what he he's like, oh, does anyone have any requests? The bang, the hand yeah. shoots up. <laughs> I ran. And he gives, the, like, du- oh, he gives the double take. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, and then that that like there's all these gifts of her doing these stupid dances. Yeah. She's just so goofy. It's just so effortless for Emma Stoney. And this scene in particular is where I was sort of looking at it. Like I was, I was just looking at it thinking Emma Watson would be a disaster. Oh no, it would not be. I I, I couldn't even imagine it seriously. Yeah. When they do finally start talking properly, um, you see that you know Sebastian's not big on working for anyone. He doesn't want to be. He wants to be his own man, his own boss. And he makes a point, he makes such a point to tell me that he doesn't work for the lead singer. He comes over and he's like, oh, we're going to be on soon, whatever he says. Yeah. And it's just like, it made me think of the previous scene where he tried to say that to um, J.K. Simmons that they mutually agreed to the set list. <laughs> How about all for you and none for me? That's perfect, yes. Great. Okay. Okay, mutual decision then. Right. Made, made by me. Right. And I sign off on it, so. Whatever. Tell yourself what you want to know. Yeah, that whole back and forth with him and J.K. Simmons there is like fantastic. It's like, yeah. no, no, we're sticking to my thing. <laughs> so I want to talk about this next song, this next scene where they're walking up the the road, the road, the Hollywood Hills. I love Mulholland li- Drive. It is, isn't it? That's where it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I love the the little back and forth they have here before the start of the song where they they say. It's pretty strange that we keep running into each other. It is strange. Maybe it means something. I doubt it. Yeah, I don't think so. Where's my car? Like, they, they start off the cliche romance lines, but it quickly diminishes. Like, But it, it is clear that they, they want each other, they just don't want to admit it. Like, mm. they're like little kids who like each other at school, so mm. they act like mean to each other. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And that actually ties straight into the next song here, A Lovely Night, where the lyrics are basically telling us that they don't appeal to each other, even though they're together on this beautiful night with they don't this appeal door. to each other they don't appeal to each other that this whole time they're like no 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 but they they want they don't want to admit this that they i thought it was more like as you say they don't want to they don't want to admit to each other that they like each other yeah so they're wasting this lovely night playing these 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 games that you know new lovers play with each other yeah, but slowly but surely because they know, don't want to put themselves out there with a little playful kick of the dirt and a, a flick here and there we start to see the spark start between them and then it moves into this to this fantastic tap dancing scene mm. which I might add is still only one shot from the from the start when they were walking up the road again as we're singing in the rain this would have taken forever to get down perfect but the end result looks fantastic in fact the crew only had about 30 minutes a day and according to Damien Chazelle Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling only managed five takes in two days yeah where after each take they would have to go back to the starting point with the assistants basically wiping the sweat off them yeah. before they start the dance routine again and in the movie, it's the fourth take that you get in the mm. final cut. Yeah. And again, you think it's going to end with this nice kiss, but nope, the phone goes off, cuts them off. And who is it? It's her boyfriend. Before we get to that, though, let's go back to this song. I think it's it's clear here, and I'm, I'm not saying this to be, um, you know, disrespectful or whatever, but I think it's pretty clear here that Gosling and Stone aren't professional singers or dancers. Oh, no, no, of course not. You know, and... I'm strangely okay with that in this movie. It really feels like these are real people singing and real people dancing. Makes it more realistic that they don't perfectly nail every dance move like they did in Singing in the Rain, for example. You know, where out of nowhere these people are just, well, especially Debbie Debbie Reynolds, you know, it just nails every move. And it's just, but it's funny, like this scene, there are some clear homages to Singing in the Rain. There's a light pole that Gosling hangs off for yep. a bit. And even the sunset, like, it, it mirrors that scene where Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds go into the studio and there's that, that fake sunset yeah, on the back Yeah, they get the fan blowing the smoke. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly, exactly. So, 
I do. I do like when you sort of see these, and I bet. I bet there are you know over a hundred little callbacks to really old movies that yeah. I've never seen, and yeah, it, it is good when you when you see see ones you want. It is very lucky for us that we actually got to watch Singing in the Rain before we watched La La Land for this nice comparison. Yeah, I, no, yeah, it is worked well. And it's funny because I did bring up La La Land briefly in Singing in the Rain yeah. review as well, and a couple of weeks ago it was pretty pretty crazy that they got so close together out of two hundred fifty yeah. films. It is. And even when the song's over and everything, um, Mia asks if Seb wants to lift to his car, and he says, oh, he's just over there, I'll, I'll go. She drives off, and then we see him walk he, he all the way back right to the, the party. Right at the front of the house. Right at the yeah. front. Like, so, he did. He wanted to take her on this walk to her car. Yeah, that was a cute little... Yeah, nice little reveal little there. Moment. We get a nice Mia and Sebastian convo here as they're walking down the, the streets of the, the film lot. Like, the acting in this in this whole scene, I thought it was fantastic. Just the back and forth it's between just so natural. Here. Yeah. Like the dialogue is really, really spot on here. Yeah. Did you notice some of the, the scenes that they see in the background? Uh, some of the scenes that come up in the epilogue at the end? Like the big bushy trees along the way? No, I must have missed the bushy trees. But you know the iconic part of the epilogue where she moves in and out of the green bushes. Yes. There is that scene in this when they walk and pass and they look oh, in. Really? They look in. She sees, she's like, oh, I wish I could start like starring one of these movies one day. That's, what, that's where she's referencing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good yeah, one. Just keep up. You tried to knock it off as a joke, like, no, I didn't remember the bushy bushes. <laughs> I mean, the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do get some good character development and the backstory of Mia in this scene, walking through this back lot, and then it cuts into Sebastian's story at the jazz bar. And I think these two scenes, these two sets are perfect for these two characters. This is this is them. Mia is this film studio. Sebastian is this jazz club. And in this, this back-to-back scene, you get... Everything you need to know about these characters. Hmm. Yeah, you learn their dreams and you learn how important it is to them and how, you know, ingrained into their character it is. I love this speech that Seb gives to Mia about jazz. Oh, he's so passionate. So I think that that's part of the problem is that you can't hear it. You know, you have to see it. You have to see what's at stake. I mean, look at these fellas. Look at look at the, the, the sax player right now. He just hijacked the song. He's on his own trip. Every one of these guys is composing, they're rearranging, they're writing, and they're playing the melody. They're just... And now look, the trumpet player, he's got his own idea. And so it's conflict, and it's compromised, and it's just... It's new every time. It's brand new every night. It's very, very exciting. And it's dying. It's dying, man. Yeah, and it's it's done fantastic. Yeah, and it's it's funny, like yeah. seeing him so passionate, and when he's like, "Oh, it's dying, Mia," you just it's it's funny, like he's so, you know, is his passion. Pa- he's talking about his passion dying, but it's it's done in a comical way. Like yeah. you, you're meant to enjoy this scene. That's what I love so much about this movie. It's it's just so so bright and fun, and it just inspires so much like joy when you watch it. It's really incredible. So how good is it when? They, she, uh, Seb invites Mia to the, the movie oh, for research. Oh, yeah, yeah. For, for research. Okay, I'll come for research. It's like, get off it. You're not going for research. Yeah, he's you trying know? to get off it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, like you say, that bit was funny. I actually liked the bit right before it where she gets a call back and she's like, yeah, it's this new thing. It's sort of like um, Rebel Without a Cause meets something else. And... and <laughs> Something else. And Seb starts, starts like, what is it? Quote, yeah, he's quoting Rebel Without a Cause. And Mia's just like, mmm. Yep, no idea. You haven't seen it, have you? <laughs> <laughs> and you finish off this part with a nice little shot 
where they're walking away from each other and then one looks back while the yeah. other isn't and then the other one looks back while the other one isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Very corny. And then we get into City of Stars, the famous City of Stars. Yeah. It's my favourite song in the movie. Is it? Yeah, it is. Not this one. They do it, obviously, again together. And the piano. Yeah, that one's better. I would say that one's better. Yeah, that one's like that one's a lot longer. This yeah. is very short, this bit. Yeah. But I do I do love this pier scene. Like, it's, you know, it's sunset, and he sees the old, the old couple, and... You know, he, she starts dancing with her and the guy, like, taps him like, oh, you know, it's just, it's cute. Yeah. You know? No, it's very nice. I do like it. But the song is, when he sings it here, it's it's so slow and it's it's almost morose. Is that the right word? You're going to have to tell me what morose means first. Yeah, we'll stick with morose. All right. You can look it up yourself. Um, but I found, like, of all the songs I would be humming later on, this is the one I would... I would, I would be uh, remembering. Yeah, okay, I agree with City you there. Of stars. Actually, after mm-hmm. after I watched this again this week, I think the one I was th- I was um, humming was. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I was singing that all the time, and I, honestly, because when I watched it the first time, how's I it went, go? I just did it. Uh, oh, so the the tune you weren't singing the words. No, of course not. <laughs> God, it's, it's another day of sun. Get into it. They open the truck and there's a big drive. Oh my god! I actually started re-listening to the soundtrack again because when it first came out, I, I got that soundtrack so quickly yeah. and just played it all the time. And again, after watching the film this week, bang! I'm in the car. All right, la la land, whole soundtrack. Let's go. Yeah. Played it, loved it. It's fantastic. And again, we keep getting some more scenes here with Mia just getting brutalized in in these auditions. Like, she's pouring her heart out here, and the woman is just texting. Like, she doesn't give a shit. And you see the producer look at her bio and just, like, exhale. Like, oh, okay. Like, he's just already he's already written her off. He, yeah. goes, he gives her, like, what, a couple of seconds? He's like, that's it. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the callback that yeah. she was so excited for. And it's just, it must be so crushing. Yeah. It, like, it's just brutal. And you can see when she realized she has to go out to dinner with her boyfriend here, you can see she's just not interested in this, like, yuppie kind of life, I guess. These guys in their suits and they're talking business and that. And she just doesn't want any part of this. She, she wants to be someone like her who has dreams and wants to pursue them. And she doesn't want to get stuck in this, this life that... But I imagine that's since meeting Seb. Do you think so? Well, she's going out with him. It's not like like she's obviously what, knows she's, the she, brother. Do you think she's been going out with him and then she meets Seb and then, like... like 12 hours later, she's like, ah, oh, no, nah, I'm done. I think she's kind of been like this the whole time, and Seb has kind of maybe kicked her into that notion. Jump-started her a bit. Yeah. I like that what really sparks her to actually get up and leave is she hears, you know, Seb and Mia's theme on the, the restaurant speakers. Yeah. And she looks up, and she's just like... You know what? I'm doing this. I can't do this. See you later. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And then they finally go see the movie. Dean, have you seen Rebel Without a Cause? No, I have not. Yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> And just shut up. <laughs> yeah, righto. Is it in the top 250? No, it's not. Well, can't be worth seeing then. Maybe, maybe. What'd you think of this movie theatre scene? The Sorry, that was really depressing. I'll, I'll try that again. What did you think of this movie theatre scene? I mean, it was it was really cute. To see, to see the little it was hand so cute. and the smirks. So like, as soon as the fingers touch, you're like, yeah. So like, yeah. So like this, is, this is it. Yeah, this, this cute little hand game they're playing until they finally hold hands. Like, have you have you ever held someone's hand in a theatre who's, like, not your girlfriend? Well, you seem to be sidestepping Infinity War when you and I were holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it's, it's just... 
it's exciting. There's so much unspoken going on here. And you're both like, both of them are just staring so intently at the movie screen, but neither one of them are paying any attention to what they're no. looking at. Their, their whole mind is on those little hand movements, and it's just... And they go in for that kiss again, and the cinema goes out. <laughs> Gosling got cock-blocked again. <laughs> so we get the planetarium scene here, and I thought this this was fantastic. This music is fantastic here. I think this scene is so gorgeous. The silhouettes dancing in the stars. How can you look at this and not be enjoying it? Yeah, sorry, I was just remembering the tune in my head. Yeah, it is It is. Yeah, no, it... My interpretation of this is that they've they found the one they were looking for. They're riding high at this moment. It's euphoric. It's like a dream. They're up They're up in the clouds, dancing together like they've they finally met the one they... The one. They finally met the one. Do you know this scene, at the very end of this scene where they kiss, is done in reverse? Yeah. I did see that, and I'm glad I did read that, because when I watched it, and I saw how amazingly smoothly they, just, they landed, just land, yeah. like, I was like, how did they do that? Like, And it makes sense that they, they started sitting, or they kiss, and then they stand up, and then they're lifted away, and it's, it's shot in reverse. I'll tell you a story. Please do. Yes. Uh, one time when I was at work, I had um, my boss at the time actually film me I was standing on a like a, a box with a washing machine in it, pretty high up, and yeah. I was standing backwards and I jumped off it backwards while he filmed it, and then we put it in reverse so it looked like I took this massive jump onto this <laughs> box, showed the staff at work, and like a couple of them were like, no, nah, that's bullshit, but two of them were like, holy shit, how did you do that? It works quite well. Yeah. And again, going on that theme of old Hollywood, you get the the circle that fades in on the scene with that tone. Like it just it just it keeps going the whole way through here. And I really do like the little joke you get with the one way street where he drives down the street and she's no one way and she reverses back up. You get that joyful upbeat tone and bang, summer comes up. Yeah. And it's it's basically setting up where they are now in life. They're like they're they're loving it with each other. The music again conveys that feeling to a summer. It's upbeat. Here we go. We're in the, we're in the best part of their relationship right now. And it's here that we meet Keith, John Keith. Legend. And another day of sun is playing in the background on the, uh, the jazz instruments of the blowing variety, whatever they're called. Trumpets? Trombones? That's two of them. Yep, that'll do. Tubers? Tubers! I've got to be confused here with the way Seb reacts to him. Are we supposed to think he's an asshole? That Keith Seb. is an No, we're supposed to think that Keith is an asshole. The way he reacts, like, yeah, all right, see you, Keith. I, I, I think we're meant to think Seb is an asshole. <laughs> well, I didn't get that. Although Seb is our guy. No, I, I don't think we're meant to think Seb is an asshole. Well, what about Keith? Because I don't. The, the rest of the movie, you don't, he doesn't seem to be an asshole. No, I think maybe it's just more putting a bit of mystery on who is this guy. Like he doesn't introduce him to Mia, and he's he's very cagey with I how he speaks think, to him. I probably think it's because Seb has his way of classic jazz. That's that's how he is, and Keith is more conventional he, he's, he's more contemporary as you get along the way and he's like no i don't want to I, I, i'm not i'm not part of your style of jazz so hi bye see you later yeah and that that sort of reveal when we see seb realize the sort of music later on when he's actually in the band what the sort of music is we get that great great little powwow that that pep talk from keith did you say you want to save jazz how are you going to save jazz if no one's listening jazz is dying because of people like you you playing to 90-year-olds at the lighthouse. Where are the kids? Where are the young people? You're so obsessed with Kenny Clark and Thelonious Monk. These guys were revolutionaries. 
How are you going to be a revolutionary if you're such a traditionalist? You're holding on to the past, but jazz is about the future. Yeah, and obviously that resonates very much with Seven Me as, as characters and what their choices and their decisions that they're going to make later on in the movie. Like, it, it's all relevant here, and it's I think it's well well set up. Yeah, very much. Uh, I do like we get some set up here with Seb's jazz bar at the end, as well as Mia's play, where, you know, they're talking about what they want to be doing. and But it's also here that we start to see tiny little cracks start to form. Not so much in their relationship, but in the dreams that these two are trying to fulfill. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think when it obviously um, is pretty obvious when Seb's sitting on the bed and he can hear Mia talking to her mom about how, you know, he's going to, he, one day he'll open up a club and one day this will happen. And she's so positive and loving towards him and supportive at this point. And he's just sitting there like, man, I'm doing nothing right now. I've got this gig that I can jump into straight away. I really need to start getting serious about music if I ever want to open my own club. But what do you think about when Keith tells him how much he's getting paid? He, he gives a deep swallow. Like, is that him acknowledging how much he's getting paid? Like, how... like how It's a lot. Yeah, or is it him realizing how he's moving away from his dream if he accepts it? No, I didn't get that. I just no, got... You think it's because it's a large amount I, of money? I just think it's a large amount of money and he wasn't expecting it. Yeah, fair enough. Like, like, I kind of agree. Like, how big is this band, The Messengers, that he can get paid $1,000 a week plus ticket sales and all that other stuff? It's like, that's a, there's a lot of people in this band. Yes. And especially when you see them um, perform on stage, they got backup singers, dancers, a whole shebang. I think at that point, they've got a little bit bigger as they've gone. This isn't from, that yeah. isn't them at the start. Yeah. But we get the nice, like, as you mentioned before, the nice scene of them singing City of Stars to each other on the piano. Mm. Yeah, so as we said, it is the longer version. And whilst it was, whilst I said it was very morose before, it's quite uplifting here. Yeah. And it's like, it's a song, it's a song about dreams and seeing these two lovers together singing about their future. It's really touching. Like, this is, as you said, this is something, this is them at their peak. Seb has a good paying job. Mia's writing her one woman play. And City of Stars never shines so brightly. No, it doesn't. Never shines so brightly. But you also get this intercut with them moving on and achieving their dreams. But are they? Because Mia's, well, while Mia's doing hers, Seb is gradually moving away from his. He's he's not doing his dream of opening up a jazz bar. He's moving on with well, this. Well, yeah, but it's a job. That takes money. You don't just open up a jazz bar but on what, no, but what no about, money. You've got to start somewhere to make money. But what about the contrast between Mia actually doing her dream of, of uh, starring in her own play and Seb not doing his dream of, of starting in this band of contemporary jazz? What about it? Don't you see the difference there? I see that there's a slight difference, but to get to Seb's dream, you, you don't, like, there's steps you need to take. You can't but, just jump to the end. But as we get to the convo later on, he doesn't seem to be to be interested in that anymore. So anyway, have you got anything to say to that? I mean, you want to talk about this combo? No, 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 not yet. Yeah, we'll get to that shortly. All right, cool. I also love the blink and you miss it scene of Mia driving past that old cinema to see it's closed. It's it's showing that things are moving on and they're not what they used to be. Yeah, and she she notices and she's she does look sad. Yeah. And then we get into this... Film clip? Start a fire, is that what it is? Yeah. This is my least favourite song of the movie. Why? Because it's a pop song. It's a John Legend pop song. It's not a La La Land beautiful musical romantic song. I mean, if you heard this outside of La La Land, would you have minded it? I don't really like modern music at all, so it would, true. it would not have registered with me at all. Okay, well, I I love this song. Like I said, I love all these songs. I think this is catchy, yet it's it's still it's, somewhat... It's catchy. It's somewhat classical. It's, just not, it's nothing special. 
and that's what this is portraying. Like John Legend is he's a really he's a really great singer. He's a legend. <laughs> and I don't d- pity laugh me, okay? <laughs> that wasn't funny. <laughs> and I don't think it's trying to portray that this is a bad song. It's more so that Seb has so far deviated from his dream of opening a jazz bar. That's what I think Mia's reactions are about in the audience here. That it this is not what he really wants to be doing, and it's more about the money. And I think my single favourite shot of this whole film is this bird's eye shot you get of Mia getting pushed back by this crowd. It's like as Seb is playing the electric whammy keyboard he's got there, it's signifying his furthering distance from his roots and dreams. And when he goes back to the classic piano, Mia stops moving in the crowd. Mm. I think this I think this is a great scene. It says everything you need to say without the use of words. A fine way of putting it. Thank you. I just don't know how to convey that to you without the use of words here. That's all. Why don't you sing it? Well, that, that's, that's you, words, you dickhead. Why don't you give us the music beat? <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's just it's a it's just a pop song. And then we get into autumn. Oh, sorry for the for the fall. Americans. Fall. It's not. I mean, it comes up on the screen. Fall. So autumn. I mean, Australians autumn. don't really call it fall. It's autumn. Don't really. No, it's not that we don't really. We, we don't. don't at all. <laughs> Nah, it's you like at- one of those funny American trivia things like, you know what Americans call autumn? Fall. <laughs> I mean, you look at the contrast between the start of summer and now, very dark, slow, somewhat sad. If, I guess you could say we're in the third act now. Is this where you would place the third act? I would place this around the fourth quarter, third quarter, third fifth? You can't- <laughs> is there five seasons in this? There's two winters, isn't there? Yeah. And this is the one, two, no, this is the fourth, fourth? Four-fifths. I would say that this is the fourth-fifth of the movie. Anyway, notice how that when they cut to the fall, this is the only only season that is in the black and white title cards. Mm. Again, showing that all right, we, all we're, we're going down here. Black. Black. Yeah, we see Mayor at home a lot now, alone. You know, like Seb's working late. They're, they're not really seeing each other much anymore. Yeah, and thus is the price of fame. I mean, there's no time for family, leaving your real dreams behind, and this whole- Well, not necessarily, is there? What do you mean? You can't say the price of fame is not having a family when we see Mia get famous with a family later on. But you see here that the price of fame for Seb is he's getting drawn away from his family, his girlfriend, he his people. Yeah, the price of fame for him. But All it's right, not, that's it's the not price a, of fame. It's not a blanket statement you could say over both of them, is it? Well, you can. Well, you said before when the when Mia was achieving her dream, but but uh, Seb was slowly not. That's two different contrasts there. Maybe that's two different contrasts here. Seb couldn't balance his his uh, family fame where Mia can. Mm. What do you think of this conversation they have here while they're eating dinner? While oh, not it's, eating dinner, it's so real. Oh, yeah. like you this just, is authentic. This is you just you have a nice nice dinner, a lovely moment, yeah, you and know, then, and then one and little then thing, one little one little comment. Someone's like, hey, that's it. Yeah, there it goes. Yeah, this is definitely Fun, a conversation a real life normal couple may have when talking about something like this. Yeah, may have. Not me ever though. Me and my wife are perfect. <laughs> Stop with the crickets. And bravo to Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling here for this wonderful acting performance here. Yeah, because they're they're having this argument and like me is saying some things to him that are being hurtful and I was watching with this with Brit and even she was like, Why is she being such a bitch to him here? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was watching, I was like, oh, okay, like, I mean, I think that, of course, but yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect you to. <laughs> but uh, he just he just takes it too far, though, and he says... Maybe you just liked me when I was on my ass because it made you feel better about yourself. Yeah, that is oh, a brutal line. That is, that really is unreal. Rough. 
And like you can see, Mia Mia's just crushed. Like she, and I love how the so music- hurtful. Like how do you come back from that? I line? love how the music ends after that line. Like that's it. That it's the end. That's the end of them. She, yeah, yeah. You see the record. It's stopped. Yeah, it's still swinging. And then you get no the music. alarm of goes off for the smoke. Dee, 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 dee. Like yeah it's, the, yeah, it's just you got this silence. It's just good use of it's background so tenuous. sound. Good callback, Dean. Good callback. <laughs> nah, she walks out. He looks up. Yeah, it happens. And you see with Seb at his at his band the messengers photo shoot I guess oh, yeah oh you don't need to guess well it's a photo shoot and what I hate is like I get I didn't like this to be honest because I get that they just had this big fight but he blows off her show for a photo shoot and it's not like it's not even like Keith who you said might be being set up as a bit of an asshole before he's not even forcing him to go he's no. just like oh don't forget we got this. He's like, oh, is that tonight? He's like, yeah. Is that okay? You don't, you don't hear him answer it. And he's, well, obviously it is. Yeah, he's just like, yeah. It shouldn't be. Like he knows he's got to go to Mia's performance, which she's been working on, and it's like it's a massive thing. And he blows it off for a photo shoot, and you get this ridiculous photographer doing this hilarious lip biting. Oh man, <laughs> body lip with his British accent. Yeah, and of course he says to him, you know, play something, play, play anything. And what does he play? He plays the Seven Mia theme. He looks up, thinks of her. This is the time he should have left if, he, if he'd ever gone at all. And the thing is, I felt it contrasted really well with Mia's scene at the restaurant earlier where she hears that same, she's in the same situation. She hears the music. And she, she leaves. Thinks, and she leaves. Yeah. She just gets up and walks out. And he does not. Like, maybe if they hadn't have had that fight, things would be different. But I just... And you yeah. get that brutal shot coming up of... Mia looking into the crowd and the light comes up and there's like five people there and no Seb. I mean, yeah. that would be heartbreaking. Yeah, and it's ca- put off to hear those harsh comments when she's out out the back of the of the audience saying how bad she was. Man, that that'd wreck you. That would wreck yeah. you. And even like you see that reserve seat sign just empty. Obviously, it's it's rough. But yeah, you know, Seb Seb gets there when it's finished. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. And yeah, and then there's a line. I'm gonna go home for a while. I'll come see you tomorrow. No, I'm going home, home. This is home. No, it's not anymore. And it's such a devastating thing to see someone take a shot at their dreams and have you, it smashed in their face. Do you think it's an overreaction from her? No. This is her. This is this is her thing. The whole movie, like this, is what I'm doing. She was so supportive with him and his in his tour and his music, and he can't even rock up to her first play. Yeah, when I first sort of was watching it. I sort of did think, gee, she's she's gone from zero to a hundred here pretty quick, but really, not really. Like LA has broken her; she's yeah. put everything she had into yeah, this. This is a culmination, not just of her and yeah. Seb, but of her and her dreams getting exactly. smashed. Like her play was a failure; she can't pay back the theater. She says so; she's broke, and her boyfriend didn't show up. Like, fair enough, she yeah. leaves. What has she got there? Exactly. I also like the decision Chazelle made here, where this has stopped being a musical at this point. Like, there's no mm. more happy tunes in that all the way up until Mia starts to feel happy again with her audition. Yeah. This, this whole section here is very somber. Yeah. I do like even, the nice... Even though the next scene we... Seb's playing piano at the engagement party. It's not musical. He was playing... Music. He was playing the music in the photo shoot. Exactly. Yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's music. <laughs> it's not... What? Because every song, every movie has music. Does that mean it's a musical? In some aspects. <laughs> no, you are very wrong. I do like the nice callback you get later on with um, Seb beeping the horn out the front like he did earlier on with her friends. And mm. then she looks out and the neighbor's like trying to kick his car in. <laughs> it's like, shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah. And she comes out and she's like, oh, how did you find me? 
Like, he's like, oh, you said you lived opposite the library, but does she not have a phone? Like, yeah. we're living present day. <laughs> what sort of a thing is that? How'd you find me? Like, uh, Google. Come on. <laughs> and again, fantastic acting here between those two when they're out in the car and he's, he's begging her to go take this audition and she says, I'm not going to that. What? That one's going to be, no, that one's going to be. I'm sorry? That will kill me. What? 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 Shh. Stop. No. Shh. You have to be quiet. If you, you want me, to, okay, then you have to make sense. If they're you want me to be call. quiet, you have to make some goddamn sense. You tell me why they're you're not call. going. It's because, because why? I've been to a million auditions, and the same thing happens every time where I get interrupted because someone wants to get a sandwich, or I'm crying and they start laughing, or there's people sitting in the waiting room and they're and they're like me but prettier mm. and better at the because maybe I'm not good enough. Yes, you are. No. No, maybe I'm not. Yes, you are. Maybe I'm not. You are. Maybe I'm not. You are. Oh, yeah. God damn, that is some yeah. great acting. Yeah, you can, you can see why, you know, Emma Stone would win for Best Actress. Yeah. And with this and the next scene in her audition, I think yeah. that it's sealed the deal. She does stand out here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But into this audition, whew, I mean, I think this is fantastic, this whole thing. Wouldn't you hate it, though, going to an audition and you're like, all right, uh, where's the script? Nah, just, just tell us the story. Like, a way to put oh, me God on the damn. spot. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. The Fools Who Dream. Emma Stone's great. Singing's great. Acting's great. Song is great. Apparently, they did nine takes and they chose take number two, so... Yeah, Chiselle said that she could decide when to switch from dialogue to singing. Yeah. They left it all up to yeah. her. There wasn't any pre-recorded track that she was lip-syncing to. The song, the, the composer was in another room playing the piano into her ear, mm. so it was all silent. And it was basically just to let her have more control over the scene. And then we basically get the end of Seb and Mia here. And it's such a incredibly bittersweet scenario. Like, they need to choose between their dreams and each other, which is a daunting task if you're putting those shoes for those two. Especially in LA with with those, you know, notions of hope and dreams in an, in the Hollywood setting. Mm. Yeah, no, nah, he, you know, he says, he says to her she has to give it everything. Like, if she gets, oh, not if, when she gets apart... You know, and he needs to stay in LA and do his own thing. Like they're they're in reality just breaking up here. Yeah. And their their lives are going in different directions. They're just having such a very grown up conversation. I'm always gonna love you. I'm always gonna love you too. Mia Mia just looks so heartbroken here. And it's like it's understanding, but it's it's just so sad of what's gonna come. Yeah, definitely. So we flash forward to winter. Mm. Five years later, I do like the callback to the on the house scenario that she gets when she goes into the the cafe and this and she's the celebrity now and they're like no no it's on the house yeah 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 that was nice it, it basically like without telling you what has happened it is showing you that she is the big celebrity now it, it, yeah it has happened yeah something so small yeah it tells you everything it tells you that she's made it yeah I'll just quickly touch on it like we see sort of the Seb doing his thing in his club and we see Mia at her house and. With, like, another man walks in, you're like, oh, what's this? They kiss, and you're just like, oh, shit. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't get together. Yeah, and then, even at this point, though, for me, I'm like, ah, oh, it's it's a movie. So, she's got this other guy there. You can still, and then you see the kid there. No. And it's like, okay. This is, this is how it's going to, this then, is how it is. Yeah, it's honestly, like, it was painful for me to watch. Like, she's she's completely moved on. And then you see Seb going home to an empty house. I feel like, you know. The contrast there is pretty obvious. Yeah, so, definitely. 
you know, and as, as we said before, it's here where he's walking outside and he walks past this giant Mia Dolan billboard and like- He doesn't for, even look at it. No, nah, for us watching, it's like, oh, wow. And for She's him, huge. It's, it's nothing. You know, it, you know he, well, he, he probably walks past it like every single day on the way to work. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get into the epilogue. So Mia and her husband, they end up going into this club by chance, I guess, and she sees the design and she starts to realise what's happened and yeah. where she is. And it's like it's a busy, busy club. Jazz relics are everywhere. You can see that, you know, Seb's Seb's made it as well. Like he might, you know, he'd be going home to an empty house, but he's made his dream as well. Yeah. And Mia, like, Mia's genuinely nervous here, and she sits down with him, and then he sees her, and it's just... Is that, that look? It just stops, yeah. like... They lock eyes, and it's, it's so rough. You just... You want these people to be together so bad, and he sits down, and he plays their theme. As soon as that starts playing. And, I mean, it's... It really was never a doubt, but this is obviously my... So we get we get the flashback to when she first walked into the club when he was playing with you know J.K. Simmons and you know he, he he gets up instead of bumping into her he just grabs her and the music just hits her yeah they embrace he you know like even the funny little J.K. Simmons yeah he's in the he stops at the end of it starts dancing like it <laughs> it plays on reality here really well. And then we get this fast forward of their life, really. Like, he embraces her. Keith comes and he straight away turns yep, him away. He walks away. away. And he goes to her show. They go to Paris together. Home movies. You see their baby. They're growing up. City of Stars is now playing. We see the life they could have had. And it's magical. He's now the husband walking with her into the same club. And it's just... It, like, it blows me away. Yeah. Honestly, like, I... You know, I I was oh, I haven't even talked about the first time I saw this movie. I first saw this movie with my wife um, at the cinemas. She didn't actually even know it was a musical, and we we went in and the first song comes on and you know it was just like after the movie like when this came on I was just I'm like openly crying in the cinema and it's just like I look over at her and she's you know hard as a rocker <laughs> she's just looking at me like oh my god you, you are an embarrassment <laughs> but I'm a sucker for this stuff and yeah it just it destroyed me and even I've probably seen the movie six times now and even watching it like I watched it twice this week and both times I cried like I just I you get so invested in these characters and to see what could have been that you know if you just made this one decision here then it could end it up together. Like it's it's really it's really heartwarming. And then bang, back to reality. Mia doesn't clap. Everyone else does. She's just you know what what do you do? She wants to go. Seb, look, he's just so sad. Yeah, I mean this epilogue montage dream, whatever you want to call it, it's it's superb. I mean you can you visually see what they both wish would have happened, and the whole thing is basically like it would have been in an old school classical Hollywood film. Everything winds up perfect for them. It's the happiest of endings. You you essentially get taken on a journey of everything that happened in the film, only if it was perfection. You see the set of the film they stopped at with the green the green bushy shrubs. Everything just turns into the ultimate happiest of endings. But in the end, it's not. And that's where this movie is a step above the rest for me. Is that, yes, they achieved their dreams of becoming a Hollywood star and owning a jazz bar, but it came at a price, and that price was their relationship. The whole... This whole magical dream scene is an emotional wrecking ball. Like, it's happiness and sadness in one giant hit, and 
finishing off with that gentle keying of the piano by Seb, oh. wondering what could have been as they catch one last glimpse of each other before a slight little smile and recognition. It's absolutely stunning and save the best to last because this is my... Excellent! As well. Very good. That smile at the end. Yeah. And they both smile. They're happy like, for each other. They've made their lives like what they wanted. They got what they set out to achieve. But did they, though? Like, we saw what life would be like if Seb didn't join the band. And you know what? It's great. Like, why didn't they get together? What poor girl hurt Damien Chazelle so much that he has <laughs> to make Sebastian feel so much pain at the end here? Sure, Mia has a dream job and a happy family, but really, what does Sebastian have? He has a club and loneliness. Like, he loses in this movie. Yeah, like, why Mia, Mia he, is the winner. Why does he lose here? Like, why does he smile? Does he love her so much that just seeing her happy makes him happy? Even I, if I, it, I think so. Even if at the same time he's actually wallowing in a mess of despair and self-pity, would he have made the same decision looking back? You know, would he prefer the club over over her, over his, like, true love? Or is the club his true love? Well, in his in in the visualization of going back, those are that's what would happen if he made those choices. He gets everything. He gets the jazz bar, as you see. He gets the girl, and he's going back on. If I'd made these, if I'd said, like you said, if I said no to Keith and said mm-hmm. yes, if I just did a couple of these small bits and pieces here, I could have got it all. And that's what's so heartbreaking about it. Oh, it's it's painful, but it's like we say, it's painful and stuff. But it just it captures the hard part of love. Like love is not all all great. Like it hurts. Like love hurts and. The way it's caught in this movie here, it's just, I've really, it's so rare to see something like this, and it it blows me away every time. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, let's get into... Any last words? Dean, why don't you kick it off for us, mate? Ah, so much pain. This movie, it gets me every time. It's, It's so full of emotional weight, so much joy for life at the beginning, and so much wasted opportunity at the end. This is realistic, I guess. Like, the perfect couple doesn't always end up together. Life does get in the way, unfortunately. And what makes this movie so special is the amazingly believable chemistry between Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. It really feels like you're watching people fall in love on screen and then both have their hearts broken. Like, Gosling is what Gosling is. He's effortlessly charming and passionate, and Stone is magically quirky and just such a three-dimensional character here. The music, as we've said and will continue to say again and again, it's just sensational. And the way the music is played on different themes and variations throughout the film, it's, it's genius. Like, I didn't pick that up the first few times watching it. And whilst there are callbacks to old movies, countless callbacks, for me... If I did pick up on them, they're cute little Easter eggs to the past. And if not, I don't feel left out at all. And I still feel amazed by what I'm seeing. The way Chazelle plays with the medium of film is so gutsy here. He has characters like fly for no reason, wander through sets from old movies repeatedly in a way that is impossible, has spotlights single out stars deliberately, but it all just works. It fits so nicely for this film. Any movie that makes me reflect on my own life so powerfully gets massive props from me, and I can't stop thinking about it. The themes of love and loss are timeless and eternal. I already want to watch this film again, so it gets... Amazing. Incredible. Outstanding. From me. Final thoughts from you, Mr. Hendo. Okay, so for me, this film was a spectacle. 
Damien Chazelle comes off his previous music-heavy film Whiplash and turns in this fantastic homage to the golden age of cinema. It's homage. It's homage. homage. The H is silent. Homage. Homage. Fitting. Ho- ho- homage. Don't use words if you can't say them. Homage. <laughs> Where was I? Well... <laughs> While still keeping it fresh and new in today's day and age, it's a great look at nostalgia that everyone will enjoy. The soundtrack is vibrant and upbeat, but quiet and somber when it needs to be. And the actual musical numbers are fantastic as well. From the one-shot, perfectly choreographed epics to the exquisite classical one-on-one dances, it's a soundtrack I've listened to many times away from the movie itself, and I will continue to do so after this. But what makes this several step above all other musicals is the characters and the themes it presents. Mia and Sebastian are your normal everyday people, down on their luck, just trying to chase their dreams, giving us a strong identity theme. But what is just as important, maybe even more important, is their relationship with each other and how conflicted they become when they realize their dreams are tearing them down different paths. And harsh choices need to be made bringing in the themes of redemption and duality. And the performances from Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling are fantastic, so charismatic together and separate, yet can bring that deep, sad emotion to the table when it strikes upon them. And the fact that after all this classic Hollywood feel the film has throughout it, Giselle decides to not end it on a classic Hollywood happy ending, instead giving us a bittersweet, emotionally confusing one, and I love it. It gives this film more depth and nuance to it, and ends up capping off what is a wonderful film, and one that most definitely worthy of a... Amazing. Amazing. Outstanding. From me. I was the best because the crowd loved me. Where does this film rank for you, Hendo? Okay, it's going to rank high. Really? Yes. <laughs> so, okay, let's put it... Is it going gonna, is, is gonna to be better than your name at number three at this point? And I would say that... Yes, it is. I think Good. La La Land is better than your name. So, what's your one and two currently? One is No Country for Old Men and two is Die Hard. Okay. So, is La La Land better than Die Hard? No, it's not. Die Hard is better than La La Land for me. So, I put La La Land at number three on my list out of 12. Very good. Dean, what about you? Where is La La Land going to sit in your list? Um. Okay. So, for me, it's better than your name. It's better than No Country for Old Men. So, I've got... Once Upon a Time in America at 1 and Die Hard at 2. Is it better than Die Hard? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, fair It enough. is better than Die Hard for me. Um, it just carries too much emotional weight for me not to not to uh, go above Die Hard. I love Die Hard, but for all the reasons I've just said, this movie really... Uh, yeah, it's really personal. So, I would put it... Is it better than Once Upon a Time in America, though? Nah, it's not. Nah, that was quick. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> it's not. No, um, no country. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in America is still my number one with La La Land at two and Die Hard at three. Okay, fair enough. We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. All right, we've got two reviews here this week. We've got one from Chris on Letterboxd said, I don't like musicals, but I love La La Land. The music, performances, costuming, and the impeccable direction from Damien Chazelle makes this a damn near perfect film. The chemistry between Gosling and Stone is so palpable, it keeps you enraptured throughout the entirety of the film. Even though the ending can feel like a gut punch, it does show that not all happy endings come in a conventional way. Thanks for that, Chris. We also got... (laughs) Why don't you read this one out for us, Dean, since you are the Shane aficionado. Okay. Second time watching La La Land, and I must say, the film has improved substantially since I first saw it. More like a song you need to hear a couple of times before it grows on you. 
And of course, La La Land is all about the songs, the music, the theatre and extravaganza. You have to prepare yourself for that, yes. You're about to watch a musical. Don't take everything so seriously. On rewatch, I was impressed from start to finish with the production design, cinematography and the dance numbers. As far as musical goes, this is definitive, a contemporary classic for the genre. But even better than that, of course, is the romance and in-depth character studies of Mia and Sebastian. I was blown away, actually. Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling are at the top of their careers here, though to be fair, Gosling is great in everything. I just loved everything about this movie. The best bit, of course, is the ending. I agree. That actually Me brought too. that actually brought tears to my eyes. Wow. It's that damn piano. <laughs> <laughs> the relationship between the music and the romance, they absolutely nailed it. As mainstream as this film might be, you really have to commend the filmmakers for choosing a tragic ending. I mean, it's almost as good as Somewhere in Time. At least it's in the conversation. Makes it even more upsetting it has its Oscar stolen from them. Too bad it came out the same year the Academy decided to make up for Brokeback Mountain. Boom. Hot take. Hot take. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. If you'd like to send in your reviews to any of the movies that we do on the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at IMDB Journey or you can email them to us at imdbjourney at gmail.com. So one thing we haven't gotten around to at this point is the controversial Oscars that year where La La Land won Best Picture for a couple of minutes and then it turned out that Moonlight was the actual winner. So we put a poll up on Twitter to ask the question, which should have actually won? Was it La La Land or Moonlight? And we got we got a couple of responses here. We've Let's see, we've got one from The Contrarians said, Moonlight because La La Land was blah, blah, bland. La La Land, or how difficult it is to be white and gorgeous in America. And also because people in La La Land forget how to text. And also because we shouldn't reward a filmmaker for following up Whiplash with a lesser movie. Burn. We've also got one here from the Movie Reviews in 20 Qs podcast said, We covered it a while back, but La La Land was just not for me at all. Just felt like it was all flair and no substance. Also felt like it was just trying to capitalize on nostalgia. Also, Emma Stone's character was a sociopath. Moonlight was like boyhood, but good. <laughs> We also got one here from our friends at the Dial M for Movie Podcast said, La La Lamb, white people dancing. Moonlight, coming of age, told through the eyes of a poor African-American homosexual with real emotions, depth, and intricacies of how your upbringing and society can manipulate you to the point of denying who you truly are. Also one here from the Deuce Podcast said, I think Moonlight will stand the test of time while La La Lamb won't hold up. Also one from our friends at the Epic Film Guys said, Moonlight was incredible, I do not deny it, but... God, the music alone just destroys me. I think their vote was for La La Land there. Mm. Another one here from Brian B at Dynasty 86 said, I think they're both great cinematically, but Moonlight has lingered with me a lot more, so it gets my vote. Also one at Jake and Tom Conker said, do I lose credit if I confess that I've never seen either of them? <laughs> yes. Yes, you do, guys. <laughs> Same with the Cinematically Correct podcast said, I haven't seen either. Also from the guys at the In Session Film Podcast said, I dread engaging in any sort of debate, so I'll just say I love both films. They were both in my top five for 2016, and the craft for each one is impeccable. I'm glad Moonlight won Best Picture, and I'm happy for La La Land's wins too. Also from the Movie Mayhem Podcast said, La La Land was a lot of fun to watch, but Moonlight was by far the better movie. The Countdown Podcast said, I thought both were good Academy Award nominees, unlike, say, The Post from this year. But just preferred La La Land, if only because I usually hate musicals and I didn't hate this one. Also from the Coming Off The Reels podcast said, I love La La Land. It's well made and emotional, but Moonlight is just unstoppable. 
Also from the Bitching About Movies podcast said, enjoyed both. Prefer La La Land because it ended with a gut punch and Moonlight was stronger in the beginning and middle, in my opinion. So that's just a couple there. Sorry if we didn't read out your responses there. But in the end, in a 99-vote tally, 52% to Moonlight. Incredibly close. Very, very close. So thanks to everyone who voted in that poll. But we also have another poll here that we need to take care of. And that is our MCU draft from last week. So we got a bunch of responses here from our teams where I drafted Captain America Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, The Avengers, and Iron Man, while Dean picked Infinity War, The Winter Soldier, Ant-Man, Thor Ragnarok, and Spider-Man Homecoming. One from the Ghost of the Stratosphere podcast said, Daniel has my number one favorite in Guardians of the Galaxy, but Dean has several others very high on my list, Winter Soldier, Infinity War, and Ragnarok, so I'm going Dean. Also one from Melissa from the Brook Reading Podcast said, I'm sorry, but it has to be Team Daniel, Civil War, and the original Avengers. Yep. Also one from the Casual Cinecast here said, Any list with Thor Ragnarok loses for me. Sorry, Dean. It's harsh. (laughs) Another one here from the False Starts Podcast said, It was tough, but Daniel just pipped it. I could have gone either way, though. The We Watch The Thing Podcast said, It was tight, but I had to vote Daniel. Also from the Geekdom Fancast said, This is a hard one, gents. Dean has Winter Soldier and Infinity War, though, so those are my tops. So those are a couple of responses there. But in the end, after 74 votes and a 55% victory, it's Team Daniel. So thank you very much to all your votes out there who obviously picked the correct team here. Finally made up for their mistake from last week. But that means I get to give Dean a movie. But we won't go with that yet because it's time for our... Pub quiz, asshole. Okay, let's get that music playing. Here we go. Here we go. All right, I'll go first for this one. Dean. What is the name of the evil stepmother in the 2007 comedy Happily and Ever After? Is it A. Frida, B. Brenda, or C. Mrs. Humperdinck? <laughs> what? Ah. <laughs> uh, um. What was the second option? Brenda. Brenda seems too nice. Mrs. Humperdinck seems too funny. Although Happily Ever After is that a comedy? Mrs. Humperdinck. Like, would they call their stepmom by their first name? I'll go A. Frida. Fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. It was Frida. Okay, true or false? <laughs> Come on. Tom Cruise played Lestat in Interview with the Vampire. Well, I haven't even I haven't seen the film, but I don't know. I have to go judging by your reaction. I've got to say true. Correct. Yeah, all right, good. You shouldn't have reacted. I, w- I seriously would have known. You would have said true anyway. Well, how do you know? Because you in my mind? too easy. Dean, which English actor was the lead in the 2016 movie Doctor Strange? It's like your Ant-Man question last week. Is it A, Eddie Redmayne, B, Tom Hiddleston, or C, Benedict Cumberbatch? Benedict Cumberbatch. Let's throw that one away. Yes. Yes, that is right. Oh, man, your next question is ridiculous. Go on. What's my one? True or false? Me Before You is adapted by writer Jojo Moyes from a 2012 novel of the same name. Fucking, I don't know, true. Correct. Jeez. (laughs) Dean, which of these movies is about vampires? A, Super 8. B, Twilight. C, Divergent. Twilight. Okay, now, you might go into overtime here. True or false? Jumper is a 2008 movie about teleportation. True. Correct. Oh, sitting there. 3H. Dean, the 2016... (laughs) The 2016 sci-fi movie Arrival starred which actress as Professor Louise Banks? A. Sandra Bullock B. Anne Hathaway C. Amy Adams Amy Adams That is correct These are a little easy (laughs) 
which actor played the role of God in 2007's Evan Almighty? A. James Earl Jones. B. Morgan Freeman. C. Alan Rickman. Morgan Freeman. Correct. Dean, true or false? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is the fourth film in the Lord of the Rings series and was released in 2008. Finally, a false. <laughs> yes, that is correct. True or false? The 2013 film Turbo is about a garden snail. True. Correct. Oh, so that's five each. Five All each. Right, we're into overtime. All right, let's keep going. Okay. Dean, true or false? Gwyneth Paltrow's first role in a feature film was as a supporting actress in Shout opposite John Travolta. Kicking <laughs> <laughs> uh, it into overtime here. Jesus. True. Uh, yeah, that's right, true. All right, if I get this wrong, I lose again. Finish this movie title. Into the A Woods, B Dark, C Heart. Wow, I thought I was going to say wild, but it's woods. Correct. All right, we keep going. Dean, true or false, The Matrix was shot almost entirely in Sydney, Australia. Sorry, say it again. The Matrix was shot almost entirely in Sydney, Australia. True. Yes. All right, going to get this wrong. Yeah. True or false, the 2015 film Cinderella was released by Walt Disney Pictures. Uh, Alright, true. Correct. (laughs) Dean, Bruce Wayne, Batman's secret identity, has a butler named what? Grayson, Pennyworth, or Newman? Uh, Pennyworth. Yes, that's right. Why did it take you so long? I was waiting for Alfred. No. (laughs) Um, Why do they call Johnny the Human Torch in Fantastic Four? He can engulf himself in flames, fire shoots out of his mouth, he melts in extreme heat. What's the first one? He can engulf himself in flames. A. Dean, true or false, Kevin Spacey played main character John Dunbar in Dances with Wolves. <laughs> false. That's correct. How did we go so shit last week? <laughs> Alright, I think we're going to have to uh, invest in some better trivia yes. for movies. True or false, in the Harry Potter universe, humans speak a language called gobbledygook. False. Correct. In the movie Ice Age 2 The Meltdown, what kind of animal is Ellie? A. A mammoth. B. A squirrel. C. A cow. <laughs> oh, wow. This actually... I mean, it's not a cow. What is it? Uh, Ellie? How can you spell that? Ellie. E-L-L-I-E. Ellie the... Was it mammoth or squirrel? Yeah. Well, this could be it, guys. Ellie the squirrel? Would you know this? I'm not giving you an answer. I'm not uh, giving you anything. Ellie the squirrel. Ellie. Is it number two Ice Age? Yes. There's probably more mammoths that come for the main character. Maybe he finds his family or some crap. Ooh. Yeah, I'll go mammoth. Yeah, you made that harder than it was. It's a mammoth. That Seems w- like his love interest in the second one. Oh, I haven't seen it. Squirrel. <laughs> what drug does Ben Stiller's character sell in Little Fockers? I'm sorry if I pronounce these wrong. A. Revital. B. Temacil. C. Sustin- Sustingo. What's the first one? Revital. Jeez, I I don't know this one. I think this could be it. I'm just going to take a punt and say A. Wrong! Damn it. Yes. It's C. Sustin. No, I was going to say B after that one. All right. You win it. Good yes! Job. Yes! All right, so we've got a movie each to give each other. And because mine was done last week, I get to go first. And I really didn't have anything really in mind. But then Dean brought this up about an hour to 45 minutes ago. Is it in the top 250? No, it's not. Well, can't be worth seeing then. So my movie I'm picking for you this week is Rebel Without a Cause. What a surprise. What am I getting, Dean? Superman 2? Oh, Superman 2 is good. 
But nah. But you're not Superman better? Superman 4. Done. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. That can be your Am movie. I going to get confused by the time You're, You'll be confused. <laughs> <laughs> you will be very confused. Yeah, all right. Superman 4. Wow, all right. I think I walked... Ah, I think you might have picked that anyway. So, our final part for La La Land is our... DVD challenge. Let the games begin. Challenge accepted. Where we are drafting movies that should have won Best Picture in their year. And I went first last time. So, Dean, you are first for this one. All right, first film I'm going to go with is Star Wars, who lost to Annie Hall. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. It's a good choice. I'll best that, though, with my next two, which I think, I, I mean, yeah, you got to go Saving Private Ryan. It lost to Shakespeare in Love. I mean, that's a travesty. It definitely have you seen there. Shakespeare in Love? I have seen Shakespeare it's in Love. It's a good movie. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan is a masterpiece. They're both good movies, yeah. No, you're wrong there. Well, you don't Saving Private Ryan is fantastic. It's not a good film. It's a masterpiece. Shakespeare in Love is fine. So my second pick is going to be Goodfellas, which should have won against Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves is an epic, a masterstroke in filmmaking. Goodfellas is it's good, like the, it's in the title. Yeah, look at you talking. Wait till you get to Goodfellas and he changes his mind. I lied. <laughs> uh, Fujiza. <laughs> All right, what are your next two, Dean? All right, I'm going to go the '94 double just to solidify my dislike for Gump. Uh, I'm going to go Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption, See, who, both think, of which should have won over Forrest. I Gump. think I think that might hit you because you probably would have want to have to choose one of them. And you, like, the fact that you got two of them, on there, it's like, well, you can't, you can't even make up your mind which one should have won. Are you going to get indecisive? The fact there? that Gump lost to both of them is even. How can you say worse. that they both got robbed? One of them could only win. I think your, your, both list, were is, robbed. your list is flawed. <laughs> All right, my next pick. I'm going to take. I mean, does anyone even remember Ordinary People? No. Of course you don't. Because is that it should that been, Kevin Spacey movie? It should have been Raging Bull. Raging Bull should have won that year against Were Ordinary People. Were you raging when was, Ordinary People that, won? That movie, it was, it was quite ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like, i got to go. It's, it's, a, it's a travesty. How green was my valley? What the hell is that? It's, it's Citizen Kane. That should have won Best Picture that year for sure. That's my number four pick. All right, Dean, give us your last two. What was your first one then? Raging Bull. Last two, I will take Apocalypse Now over Kramer vs. Kramer. Kramer vs. Kramer is awesome. Uh, Do you not like Apocalypse Now? They are both awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. My movie is awesome. Well said. Um, Also, finally, I will take The Social Network over King's Speech. That's a good good choice. I think I've got a better choice, though, my last one. And it's got to be The Pianist. I mean, how did it lose against Chicago? Chicago is really, really good. The Pianist is better. The Pianist should have won that year. Pianist is just like every other war film. Chicago, actually, it really tried for something different and it nailed it. Have you seen Chicago recently? Are we going to be talking about Chicago on this journey? Is it on the top 250? No. Are we going to talk about The Pianist on this journey? Hmm, yes, we are. We'll see. (laughs) So those are our five films each. Now, obviously, you can go and vote however you want, but we really hope you go on on the... the notion of these films that should have won the best picture. Not so much these are your favourite films, but more so on that these are the, the collective films that should have won the best picture that year. But obviously it's entirely up to you. That's just how we hope that you would vote because obviously if you do that, then Team Daniel's going to win again. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. I tried that last week. It didn't work for me. <laughs> so, what's next? All right, what have we got for next week? What number are we looking at? All right, let's have a look. And we got... 122. What's 122, Dean? <laughs> wow. It was bound to happen eventually. All right, we picked uh, Die Hard. So why don't we do it again? Spin it again. All right. 
36. Oh, that's high. What is it, Dean? City Lights. City Lights. The Charles Chaplin classic. All right. That's going to be fun. So get out there and watch City Lights wherever you can. And so that's going to do it for this part of the podcast. We'll come back on the other side of this break with a promo from the Two Dads Review podcast. But that's going to do it for La La Land. Hey, this is Clay. This is Corey. And we are the Two Dads Review Podcast. Uh, what do we talk about, Corey? Movies? Yes. Uh, TV shows? Yes. And we're dads? Are those all questions? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, find all that and more over at twodadsreview.com and your favorite podcast app. Now that we're done with La La Land, we can journey back on into the spoiler-free version of the podcast. So never fear if you haven't seen the movies we're about to talk about, we will not be spoiling them. So, Dean, how many movies did you see this week? I saw four other movies other than La La Land twice. How many did you say? I saw five. Ah, nice. Okay, so my number five film of the week, which is the only film that I wouldn't recommend, is a 2018 Netflix film called First Match. And it's a story about a teenage girl who, hardened from years in foster care, decides that joining the boys' wrestling team is the only way to get back to her estranged father. Well, I'm bored already. Uh I think it's a. It can be a fine film. Like I started a bit iffy on it as the main character Mo. Mo, is that a woman? M O. <laughs> Monique. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm thinking Mo Sizzler. <laughs> <laughs> she comes. She comes off incredibly unlikable at the start here, but she gradually increases her character arc, and you see the relationship between her and her estranged father play out. And the emotions she goes through, you can understand where she's coming from with some of the choices that she makes along the way. The problem with it for me personally is that overall it's quite forgettable. I felt all the secondary characters were all taking up each other's screen time, I guess. And in the end, none of them got enough of a story or any character development where I cared for any of them. And I also felt the pacing was a bit slow too. It felt more like a two-hour film than an hour and 45, which is what it was. So overall, there were some good things to praise for the film, but I don't think there was enough for me to recommend it for anyone. Fair enough. So I decided to start rewatching the uh, all the Marvel MCU films. Okay, bit late. Bit late to start rewatching. Should have rewatched them before Infinity War. Uh, it's too much to watch. So now that I don't have a deadline to me, I can just well, they're just such easy to watch movies that you know I've seen them all. So it's and I can watch them with the kids around. Like none of them are really too violent or anything. So. Anyway, the worst film I watched last week was The Incredible Hulk, the Ed Norton one, not the Eric Banner one, obviously. I didn't mind this film the first time I saw it. Everyone seemed to pan it at the time. And now I find I see a lot of people saying it's not as bad as you remember it. Well, for me, it's worse. Like, Ed Norton is the only good thing about this movie, really. He brings his trademark intensity and commitment to the role. And whilst he is very good here, I'm really glad that the powers that be at Marvel's... Marvel? Marvel Studios <laughs> went with Mark Ruffalo in future outings. He's just too serious, and the comedic chops that Ruffalo bring are welcome for such a damaging character. Yeah, it would have been weird if Norton had like oh, was part of this. Yeah, it would have been too. It, would, it doesn't fit. He would have taken over. Yeah, he doesn't fit. I can't imagine him playing second fiddle to Strange or Iron Man yeah. ever, or even like. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine Thor Ragnarok? With Edward Norton as the Hulk. Yeah, as the, yeah the supporting. <laughs> as the hilarious Hulk yeah, in that be, movie. Be bizarre. 
Oh, dear. Uh, Liz Tyler. Oh, she's such a waste here. So, did you say Liz? It's Liv. No, I said... Oh, sure. Liv Tyler is such a waste here. The Colonel is corny and painful, and Tim Roth is terrible. I know the material he is given is laughably bad, but he's just so miscast here. He's not a physically intimidating threat at all, and it's embarrassing seeing him after he gets a super soldier serum, and he's still weak as piss. (laughs) (laughs) There's, yeah, there's really no heart to this story, and it gets worse and worse the longer the movie goes on, so, yeah. Is that, is that your worst MCU film? I'll have to wait and see, won't I? Are you going to be watching the rest of them, are you? I'm going to watch them all. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so my number four film of the week is Black Swan. So, yeah, this is, this is a bit better, Darren, than your last one I watched, I'll tell you that. What was the last one you watched? Mother! Ah! <laughs> yeah, I thought Black Swan was quite good. Uh, I think this does a much better job than his other trash mother in doing a film with a lot of themes playing out visually in front of you rather than in your own mind. So the themes that he has of obsession, commitment, dedication, innocence, and transformation are all they're all handled quite well here. I think Natalie Portman is sensational in her role here. You can see her transform herself from the literal interpretations She's of so White good. Swan to Black Swan. And yeah, Darren Aronofsky uses good framing and little hints here and there that back up these subtle changes uh, all the way into the glaringly obvious ones. So it's it's not quite as good as Requiem for a Dream or The Wrestler, but it's a good film nonetheless. So Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. It's not as good as them, but like I only watched it once. I don't really have any um, desire to watch it again, but I really, really enjoyed it the first time. So, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely not Requiem for a Dream level for no. sure. Now, Dean, what's your number three? Uh, my number three was one that you uh, recommended quite strongly for me, uh, Game Night. Oh, you watched Game Night, did you? I did watch Game okay. Night. So, Game Night, it's, I mean, it's a comedy, obviously, and it's it has genuinely funny moments. Like, it has a lot more laugh-out-loud moments than most comedies I would watch these days. So, as a comedy, major props for that. Jesse Plemons as the next-door neighbor. <laughs> My God, he's good in this. <laughs> He's just, yeah, he just steals every scene. And yeah. even like the introduction to him, it's, it's funny. It's so funny. Yeah. Jason Bateman, like, this guy has no other gear than what he does. Yeah, it's, it's, he's, he, it's exactly how he is. Oh, he just, yeah. How do you call this guy an actor? Anyway, I, I like Rachel McAdams. She's pretty good in it. But the story goes in a. It, should, it goes one way when it should have gone the other? Yeah. Yeah. It go, it, I'm not, I don't like the third act. As as you would have called it, so it did. Yeah, that it, was my problem with the film too. Like it, it kind of went stale, like towards the end. Yeah. It, what did you think of that cameo I spoke about at the end? Uh, let down. Really? Well, you talked it up so much, and I remembered well, we it when I started. Big fans of this TV when show. When I started watching, I was like, okay, what's it going to be? Someone I never haven't seen in ages. Yeah, haven't. yeah he's there. Who do you fun. think it was going to be? I don't. Someone old. I thought it was someone mm. old. And when it was him, I was like, oh, is that is that the cameo? Yeah, it must be. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay. No, yeah, like, it's fine. It's better than I would have expected before hearing your review, and it's not as good as I expected after hearing your review. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, what's your next film? All right, so my number three film is Hugo. I forgot I gave you these films. <laughs> yeah, this is, it's quite a magical film, isn't it? It is. Uh, interestingly enough, watching this in the same week as La La Land in regards to classic eras of cinema... Like, seeing the designs mm. and the look of this film through filmmaking in, like, the 1920s, it was wonderful. I, I, I love watching this stuff. Yeah. Like, the whole movie looks very luscious 
And Scorsese shows us, once again, he, he can do any type of film yeah, he wants. He, he really... Like, it's ridiculous. Very diverse. Like, yeah. I know he's always pigeonholed as gangster and stuff, but... Nah, like, this just shows... He does a lot. Yeah. And the acting is quite good here, too. I think Ben Kingsley is great in this movie. Sasha Baron Cohen is... He's just playing himself, I guess, but he does he does bring that gentle comic relief that works well on this type of film. And I thought, overall, it's just a, a warm-hearted, touching, fun film. Definitely worth a watch. So. Yeah. Thank you for that one, Dean. I've been hanging to watch that for a long time. just never got around to it. No worries. I think the test will be to see how it um, stands up next to A Quest for Peace. You know? Yes. Superman indeed. 4. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed these high-quality movies to this To be week. fair, I was ex- I was expecting something like this coming up after I gave you 50 shows for I was, I was I was probably going to give you Sound of Music. That's where I was going. I was thinking that. I'm like, he's going to give me Sound of Music if, if, if he wins something this week. Actually, when we were talking... <laughs> um, like, Actually, can we change it? <laughs> Midnight Express. I was nearly going to give you that. I was like... Uh, I was going to go with Sound of Music and then you're like Superman 4 oh you said Superman 2 and I was like actually alright Dean what's your number 2 film for the week number 2 Iron Man 2 much much better than everyone says I've never really not liked this everyone shits all over Mickey Rourke as a bad villain I I like him and it's not just him Sam Rockwell as well Sam Rockwell is the best thing in this film for me I think he's fantastic but I think I'm not going to shit on your review but I I, yeah Iron Man 2 is like one of the lower films for me but yeah, I I give it a three and a half. Like it's it's very good, and like it's true to the character of Tony Stark. I'm so I'm getting really sick of how Tony is now. He's all especially in Iron Man three. I really didn't like his character arc there, but I like this one. He's it's how he is. Like he's this you know raging drunk, and he's not a stable character at all. And I thought obviously Robert Downey Jr. is fantastic. Gwyneth Paltrow had a lot to do here, which is nice. But as you say, Sam Rockwell, he's he's so good in everything. And Whiplash, I like that Monaco race scene was really good. And even the end with the imitation Iron Man suits, like yeah. all the drones. Ooh, is that a spoiler? It's, it's nearly 10 years old. It's not a spoiler. No, it's fine. Seriously, if you haven't seen Iron Man 2 and you're listening to us and you're going to get annoyed for getting spoiled Ooh. from a movie that's nearly 10 years old. Anyway, I like I like that choice and I thought it was a good foil for them um, as villains. Like, it's much, much, much better than everyone says. I, I Honestly, I watch it and every time I watch it, I sort of wait for, all right, this is why it's so bad. And it's good. Like, it is a good Iron Man story and I like Iron Man, so I like it. All right. What That's is fine. your second film? My number two film of the week is Blockers. Julie left her laptop open. Because you're snooping on our kids? No. We don't understand what they're saying, so it's not snooping. Oh my god, I love puzzles. <laughs> Some about an eggplant. And teenage emoji eggplants are dicks. Wait, what? All emojis have a secret meaning, so like trees are we, and this thing is Yasqueen. Yasqueen! <laughs> so she's gonna get Rose's yeah. kiss and then touch his dick eggplant. I don't want a drool coming out of the smiley face. That's jizz. Stand down. It is. Look, it's coffee. But... <laughs> this is a sex pact. Yeah, this really. Is, this will probably be the, the most surprising film of 2018 for me. Because I, I saw this trailer and I was not keen on it at all. Like, it looked horrible. But it's not. It's hilarious. I'm telling you. Everyone shows off their comedic chops here. They play off each other so well to make a funny, very well-paced film that fleshes out not only the three parents involved, but the three teenage girls as well. But aside from being funny, which can only get you so far in a film, this film is actually quite good emotionally as well. It, just in the right spots, as you get depth from these people, from the parents and their differing fears about the, their kids growing up, 
and the girls as well and their complexities as they move into adulthood. I think as a father of two daughters, I found this movie more relatable, which made it even better. I don't, like, if I probably watched this in my teens, I might not have found it as good. There are a couple of scenes that kind of dragged it down. In particular, there's a cliched vomit scene in there, and there's a part with this unrealistic balancing car. But other than that, this was a blast, and I'd definitely, definitely watch this again. We also have a comment here from the Ghost of the Stratosphere podcast. said, Blockers was the epitome of not as bad as I feared, not as good as I'd hoped. It was just okay. I didn't hate it, but I only genuinely laughed once or twice. And I really could have done without the puke scene. Why do movies still have to do this in 2018? Uh, I agree with that. We also have one here from Burrito Burger. said, I have to say that this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. A perfect mix of comedy, relatable characters, and touching moments. I would recommend watching. So thanks for that, guys. Hmm. I think it's pretty obvious what your number one is after talking about all this marvelness. I am Iron Man. Um, yeah, Iron Man. I mean, yeah, I honestly forgot how good this film is. How amazing Robert Downey Jr. is as Tony Stark when he wasn't an established hero already and when the time was put into developing him as a character. The story here is so well paced. There is never a dull moment. To see the first film so polished is a testament to the the guys behind this universe. It's pretty incredible. Jeff Bridges as the villain does get a bit silly towards the end. <laughs> a few things... A few, a few choices that were made with this uh, villain was a bit odd for me. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's intelligent, he's cunning from the start, and he's a believable threat to Tony. Even all the scenes with Tony trying to make his suit are just so entertaining. I'm a sucker for origin stories as well. Highly recommend. I assume everyone's seen it by this point. This movie is really, really good. Yeah, definitely. It's really good. What do you give it for? Yeah. I think it's like my, my next tier. I, just, oh, it's, I don't know. It's really good. All right, what's your number one? Oh, it's probably some weird foreign thing, isn't it? My number one film for the week is a Russian film <laughs> that, that lost at the Academy Awards for Best Foreign Film, and it's called Loveless. Mm. Now, Loveless is about a couple who's going through a divorce who must attempt to put their differences aside to find their son who has disappeared during one of their bitter arguments. And this film is something. It's a really gritty and raw look at human emotion and how bleak situations can be. It felt very real. The acting from both, apologies if I butcher these, Mayana Spivak and Alexei Rosen as the two parents is magnificent. They show every emotion you would feel in this scenario while also trying to tackle issues that they're going through together. The snowy backdrop, while usually grand and luscious in other films, is turned very bleak and dark, which intensifies the themes of this film. And all I'll say about the ending is that I loved it. If I say anything else, it's just gonna you're gonna start getting the idea of what happens. But I'm just, it's, it's I love the ending, how it ended. I am stunned that this film did not win Best Foreign Film at the latest Oscars. It it if it's ridiculous. Oh, was this the one that lost to the um, a Fantastic Woman? Yeah, the one you didn't like. Yeah, this this film is fantastic. If you want to break from all the CGI superhero fests out there, this is the one to watch. This is a very high recommend for me. And one you will most likely hear about at the end of the year again. We also have a couple of reviews here on Loveless. One is from Simone. She said, I liked it. I thought the characters were richly human and so accepting, strong and enduring. The setting in winter in Russia was beautiful and the everyday modern life theme, a surprise. We also have one here from Vinay who said, A great film focusing on the tension of idealization within modern life versus traditional means. Said some very pressing things about how we live now. I'm in love with cinema again. We also have one here from Seaford Cinema. I'm so glad I got to see Loveless by... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to pronounce his name. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just going to completely butcher it. But oh. The director of the film. His message of spiritual emptiness, 
hyper-techno-materialism and disintegrating social bounds in contemporary Russia comes across clearly in the painful story of a loveless marriage and unloved child. Thank you very much for those reviews, guys. Really appreciate it. So that's going to do it for this week. Please make sure to head over to iTunes to give us a five-star rating and review to move us up the charts there. Make sure to get a hold of us on Twitter at imdbjourney, or if you want to email us, don't hesitate to at imdbjourney at gmail.com. Dean, what are you going to be watching this week? I'm guessing just going to be doing another Marvel slew. Continue on. What's your next one? Yeah. Captain America? Uh, no, Thor, I think Thor. Thor, then Captain America, then Avengers. So hopefully I'll watch those three. Plus, what movie did you give me? Rebel Without a Cause. <sighs> and of course, City Lights. Oh, and City Lights. I mean, that's... That's what I'm most looking forward to. Have you seen City Lights? I think so. I did watch a lot of the old Chaplin movies when we were doing our original thing a few years ago. And honestly, I don't really remember which ones I did. I think I watched most of them. Yeah. Is there four or five? I think there was four. I think I watched three of them. Okay. Maybe there's five. I'm not too sure. Uh, Last week, I said I was going to try and watch The Insult. I didn't get a chance this week, but I'll definitely get a chance to this week. I'm going to watch Superman 4. See how that goes. Oh, it'll it'll be funny. Just make sure you go in there with a sense of humor, okay? I think I'm going to pay myself up because I, I'm going to try and bang out the Pacific Rim duology here. I'm gonna, why not? I know I've heard really bad things about the second one, but let's just tackle them both and get rid of Pacific Rim 1 and Pacific Rim 2 Uprising. Why not? And anything else on the cards for you this week, Dean? No, not really. Just more of the same. Lots of work. All right, fantastic. What about you? No, I, well, I'm starting at the new store this week, so we'll oh, see how that goes. With that. Thank you very much. And we'll see everyone else next week for City Lights. City Lights. All right, bye. Bye.